You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the program, Mom Zev Brenner. Everybody is concerned about the Ukraine. There are 300,000 Jews that live in Ukraine. Everybody's in danger because of what's happening between the war Russia has waged on Ukraine. We're going to live to the Ukraine, to the border. With us right now is Shoma Roselio, the head of Hatsola, Ukraine. Thank you for joining us. No problem. Thank you for having me. When, you, when I say the border, can you define exactly where you are? So I am in between uh, Ukraine and Moldova, which is uh, another, uh, another country next to Ukraine. It's about, uh, like I said, in a good day, an hour and a half drive, but now it's about seven hours drive to the border. So when people come here, they, they come very, uh, very tired, you know, hungry, and it's not fun. Now, uh, it's a lot of waiting time. Could you say it, it takes a long, it took an hour and a half drive, now it's about a seven hour drive to get there. Yeah. Are you seeing action? Is there fighting going on where you are? So, so in the past couple of uh, maybe maybe twenty four hours, we've seen uh, spikes in uh, in attacks in Odessa, which is Odessa was a safe haven till now, in a way. It was uh, pretty quiet; was nothing going on uh, until this moment, and it started. It started tonight, and it's uh, it's getting through the day. Also, uh, started to be a lot of attacks, so so it's getting here. But you can see all the time, you can see soldiers, you can see tanks all over. You can see uh, roadblocks, you know, and, uh, and all this, this type of things, yeah, definitely. Now, is Moldova also involved in the fight, in the war? No, Moldova is trying to stay away. It's, um, Moldova is uh, basically known as a pro-Russian country in a way, okay? They don't want to mess with the Russians, but at the same time, they don't want to fight with them. But uh, according to what I hear, Moldova is next. Moldova is next as far as the conflict is concerned. Wow. Yeah. A lot going on. Now, tell us about uh, Hatsola Ukraine. Is this a relatively new organization, or from what I understand, you've been around for a while? So uh, Hatsola Ukraine was uh, formed in uh, about seven years ago um, by me. It uh, didn't start it as something. I, I, I mean, I didn't know it's going gonna, it's gonna to get to such, uh, such extents. But uh, when when we started it, we had a lot of um, a lot of um, humanitarian help uh, that we gave in the war zone in Donetsk and Donbas when when it started back in the days. We started to give a lot of help there, medical medications, things like this. Then we expensed more hospitals. We gave a lot of help to in, in hospitals, mostly kids hospitals around Ukraine. Uh, the reason for that is that in Ukraine, uh, usually when you go to the hospital. Uh, you know, you, you, the doctor sees you, you have everything. He doesn't need to ask you to do anything. But when you come to a doctor in Ukraine, they give you a list of stuff. And at the top of the list, there is gloves because they got nothing. They don't have syringes. They don't have anything. You have to, they give you, the doctor gives you a list of stuff. You go to the pharmacy downstairs, you buy everything. You come back to the doctor and then he does everything he does. So the hospital does not provide even the most minimalistic uh, equipment and stuff that the doctor needs in order to take care of the patient. So at most, we have three hospitals nowadays. Uh, actually, now it's not working, but uh, because uh, the army of Ukraine allocated all the hospitals, even the kids' hospitals, to be working under them. So it's a little bit difficult to, uh, to do that. But we have uh, pharmacies, actual pharmacies, inside kids' hospital, 
where the people, when they are actually going to the doctor, they're getting the list, they go downstairs and they get it for free. So they don't need to buy the stuff from the hospital. So this is uh, this is mainly what we do. We help people. We do uh, medvac for Jewish people. We help every Jew that is getting into troubles here in Ukraine and cannot, you know, and doesn't have the ability to actually go ahead and take care of himself and uh, and speak to the people. We always give advice on the phone. We we uh, we there for every person that has a medical issue in Ukraine, and we've done that for seven years. So now your role has changed. So tell us what is what are you doing now? You're three, there are three hundred thousand Jews in Ukraine. What is Hatzol Ukraine doing? So until today, we have transferred over seven hundred people from approximately five regions of Ukraine into the border. Uh, some of them to the border of Moldova. Some of them to the border of Romania. Some of them to the border of Poland. Uh, and uh, you have to understand an operation of seven hundred people. It's not a small operation. Uh, just to just to um, just so people will understand, 40 people max can go into a big bus that carries 60 people. The reason is because people come with strollers, suitcases, and things like this, and you can't tell them not to bring anything. And that's the reason why about 40 people. So if you divide that, you're talking about hundreds of uh, buses going in and out in an operation that has to expand. And now at the same time, we have to respect each person. So most of the time, we have problems. Not a problem, of course, but when we have a Jewish community coming into the bus and there is a non-Jew coming in and saying, listen, I want to join in, I would say definitely come into the bus. I would never say no. So that sometimes expand more. And because there's a lot of people on the street and they see the people going on the bus, they're right away asking, you're going to Moldova, you're going to another border. So you have to accommodate them as such and you cannot discriminate. So you have to add more buses, more things. So and that operation is very difficult. For many, many reasons. First of all, it costs a lot of money. Fortune. The, the buses ranges from $6,000 to $12,000. Depends where you go and depends where you are. Depends what's the risk of the driver. On top of that, you have the risk of the world. You have to have a convoy. Sometimes you have to have security. Sometimes you have all kind of things that adds up to the value of that thing. And that's, um, that's devastating because we can't. We cannot accommodate all of the requests of all the people, but we're trying to do our best to have whoever we can to help them get to safe haven across the border and to a safe place. And definitely women and children are a top priority for us. So how large is your organization as far as getting people moving and renting buses? You must have volunteers or people on the you ground. Know, some, someone, someone asked me the same question today. Um, and I was thinking about it for a minute and I could not answer. And the reason that I could not answer because there's days that I have 50 people, there's days that I have 100 people working with me, and there's days that it's only me. And, and the reason for that is because you have to understand we are in a war zone. It's very difficult to have people working here. Most of the foreigners already left. There is no foreigners in Ukraine. They have time on their, you know, on their hand to come and, and, and help and do things like this. So we take Ukrainian people. Most of them has families, kids, wives, whatever, girlfriends, no matter what. And, and at the end of the day, eventually they have pressure from their family who lives here, who lives there to leave because they're afraid to get hurt or they, they need to take their family to safety or, or things like this. So it's always varies. We don't have 
you know, we don't have a stable operation when it comes to volunteers. Even though we are trying to get um, a stable, you know, system, but it's very difficult when you're in a war zone. I know that I have my own to myself, and this is the only thing that I'm counting on. Now, do we have any ideas to how many casualties have been so far within the Jewish community? Do we have any idea? Within the Jewish community, not a lot, about three or four. Uh, but you have to you have to understand that we it's very difficult to count the uh, local uh, Jewish. You know, uh, we talk about foreigners, but this is what I know: three or four. Uh, that's what I heard. I heard about one for sure. And there's all kind of rumors going around, but uh, speculations, I don't have any proof to that. I've been getting calls, all kind of calls. I have, uh, I have a person that is Jewish, an American Jewish, that I'm trying to take care of him. Uh, he, he died uh, natural causes, nothing to do with this. He died in a, in a very difficult place to reach, and he doesn't have a death certificate and things like this. So now we're trying to get it done. Uh, God willing, we're going to be able to, but I don't know. We're speaking with Shlomo Roselio. He's the head of Hatsol Ukraine. We're speaking to him at the border uh, between Ukraine and Moldova. Educate us, because it seems to me that there are lots of different groups that are looking to help the Jews in the Ukraine. Is everybody working together? Is it independent? Tell us what's going on. So Ukraine is, is a big country. It's not a small country. It's a huge country. And there is a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Jewish here. And there's also a lot of foreigners. From what, from what I know, 98% of the foreigners that has been in Ukraine have left. I'm talking about Jewish, religious, or whatever it is. But Jewish people, foreigners, left. They're not there. Well, Israel, the pulled, out, Israel pulled out its people, right? Again, again? Israel pulled out a lot of its uh, staff and people from Ukraine. Um, well, yes, no, I, I can confirm that, but I can tell you that I did a lot. I can tell you that at some point I felt like I am the Israeli embassy and the U.S. embassy together. And, uh, and it was very difficult because when I was trying to get help from them, I haven't got any help. The phones were not answered. Problems that I had, I had to solve myself without the help of the embassy. And many, many problems like this have caused me to understand that in time of, of stress and seriousness, they are gone. They were not there for us. Because, they, they, because they left the country? Because I know they evacuated the Israeli citizens? They, they left the country and it was a chaos and they just crashed. They collapsed. They could not handle this. And uh, unfortunately, but th this this is uh, this is the situation. It's reality. So basically, I was taking care of most of those people. Um, I put a lot of effort into it, but I had to do it. Somebody had to do it. You know. And when you say whatever, so you I got was, you you got them out of the country. What did you do for the let's say Israeli I, citizens? I got them out they? of the country. Um, I helped them to get out of those cities where they were. I, and I got them out of the country eventually, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, so Israel, unfortunately, wasn't as much help as you thought it would be because they had they evacuated the citizens of Israel. Now, what about all these other groups that are operating in, in Ukraine? We're seeing a lot of publicity in the United States, different groups. That are, are so you... I, started the, yeah, I started to answer that question. I'm sorry. So basically, Ukraine is a very, a very big country. 
there's a lot of regions, a lot of cities, and there's a lot of Jewish people here also. People don't know, but almost 50% of the Ukrainians are Jewish. 50% of the Ukrainian population is Jewish? What number yes, are we talking yes. how, how large is the Ukraine? How many people are there in Ukraine? I think it's 40 million. You're saying 20 million are Jewish? Yeah. By roots. They're not. They're not oh, roots. Jewish. Okay. They're yeah, they're not, they're not yeah. Jewish. Okay, I mean, their this... mother, their grandfather, this, that. They, they, have, they have Jewish roots. Now, the problem comes in, there is a lot of communities, Chabad communities mostly. There's some Litvish and Hasidic here and there, but not a lot, but mostly Chabad communities. They are helping those people, you know, all year long. They, they, they're helping them. They're giving them food. They, they, they're helping all those communities. And what happened is, when, when, when we got to that point where, where there is such an extent of, of, of a disaster and a situation because of this war, all the people tried to hang up, you know, hang on their rabbis of the community to take them out and help them to go. So, but they cannot accommodate all of them. So all of a sudden you see like mushrooms, a lot of, uh, you know, chesed funds coming up and all kind of uh, uh, fundraising and things like this. I said in one of the meetings that we had with, with some, some of the uh, local uh, leaders, uh, rabbis and things like this, I said, listen, guys, you guys need to work together. You can't just spread around and open, you know, 20, 30, 40 fundraising. We're not going to get anywhere. We have to regroup and try to do it together. And this way, it's going to work much better. But then you see there's a lot of people, outsiders, which are not in Ukraine, starting also their campaign. We are taking people out. We're doing this. We're doing that. This is not easy. This is not an easy operation. You can't do that from outside. You have to do it from the inside to outside. You can't do it from, from outside and say, I'm taking people. You cannot work with anybody here. To get a bus here, it takes... It takes you three, four days to get a bus, you know? So, so I, I myself see the chaotic situation right now when it comes to all those fundraising. And unfortunately, I'm trying to stay away from politics, but this is causing a lot of people a lot of pain. So you're saying that there are a lot of different Chabad groups that exist there that that are working independently. There's no umbrella group. What about the chief rabbi, exactly. the chief rabbi of Ukraine? Aren't you working with him? Who is the chief rabbi of Ukraine? Rabbi Blach. I didn't know that he's the chief rabbi of Ukraine. Okay. I'm Nobody just... told me that. <laughs> so who's the chief rabbi? If you, he's the, he's the chief. At least we've had him on over know, the years. I know who's I know who's the chief rabbi of Odessa. It's Rabbi Avram Wolf, and he's uh, he's a great man. They're doing a lot for the people that uh, are in here in his uh, in his community. Um, I don't want to talk about other groups or other people. I know there's people that made a lot of money and fortune, and people asking them to help, but they're not helping. Is I it, spread my mm -hmm. wings all over the place and I try to do the best I can for each and every person that gives me a call. If I can't do it, if I didn't try the hardest, I would tell them, listen, this is the person that maybe fits better to the job than me. But I would never hang up on a person. 
But some, it seems that from what I hear that despite the, that the danger that Ukrainian Jews are in, there's a splintering among everybody doing their own thing. So it, it just makes the situation even more chaotic and much more problematic if everybody's not working together. I mean, you don't, you know, this one doesn't like this one. This one doesn't acknowledge that one. So it makes it much harder. Isn't there a mechanism or a way to get, or this is a dangerous situation. Lies are a danger. Is there any way to get everybody together? I wish. I, I don't know the. I, I don't know the formula. I couldn't figure it out. Okay, and are you getting? I, I couldn't. Now you're the head of 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 Hatsola, Ukraine Hatsola. Are you getting assistance from groups outside the United outside the Ukraine? I'm not. So you operate strictly on your own device. So you're not getting help from Jewish groups or any other. I, I mean, so far no, but I would love to get help. And I would love to people to reach out to me for help. And same way, the other way, I need help. And I need a lot of help. And, uh, and I can't do it myself. But I'm trying and I'm doing my best. And I'm here. If anybody needs my help, I will be available for that 24 hours a day. Now, how can people get a hold of you, by the way? Uh, trust me, my phone is blowing up. Uh, <laughs> it's on my website. I did not hide it. I have my email there. I have everything there. It's all public. I did not hide anything. I get messages, you know, text messages, WhatsApp, phone calls all over the place. And uh, my phone does not, you know, just always ringing, always. Now, and, and, and just so people can look up Hatsala Ukraine online and get in touch with you. HatsalaUkraine.org. Now, let me ask you, there are reports that the bombings have been indiscriminate, including destroying Babiyar. Can you talk to us about that? So, I, I don't know if destruction is the word. It got hit. I've seen the pictures. It got hit. Um, I don't know if it's a complete destruction, but it got hit, and it's uh, there's a lot to fix there. I've been in Babiyar a couple times in my life, and I know how it looks like when it's complete, but it's not complete. Okay, and what about the? Have there been shuls destroyed, the cemeteries, so Jewish institutions? None. So far, none. Baruch Hashem. We haven't heard of anything, but you have to understand also that there's a lot of places that are being bombed and the people can't go out, so we cannot get any intel. So that's another problem. So it could be that something happened, but we don't know. But, it's, but so far, the internet and the phones are working throughout the country or not? That's surprisingly yes. Sometimes no, but surprisingly, it's still working stable. Oh, that is surprising. I'm surprised that the Russians didn't cut it off. Yes, it's very surprising. Very surprising. But sometimes you don't, all of a sudden, you don't have a phone for like two or three hours. And sometimes overnight, you don't have a phone. And then it comes back. But it's still stable uh, as far as, uh, you know, surprisingly, the Russians didn't destroy the system. Interesting. Shoma Rosilio is our guest. He's the head of Hatsol Ukraine, a group that he founded about seven years ago. So, this is a, 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 a. Did you? Let me ask you this, Shlomo. You, they've been talking about Russia. Been talking about for a long time about invading Ukraine. Did you actually think it was going to happen? Um, you're asking me a very tough question. I, 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 I wanted to believe that it wouldn't happen, but deep inside, I know that he's serious. Well, wow, because it's something. So, in other words, the reason why I asked you that question was: there any way for the Jewish groups to prepare for this eventuality? Oh, everybody prepared. Oh, there was. So, what kind of preparation did you Every, have? 
well, we bought tons of food, we stocked on medical supply, we stocked on fuel, we stocked on, uh, on generators and, uh, and uh, fuel for the generators. Uh, mostly, mostly medical supply and food, that was, the, that was the top priority, but that also was very difficult because a lot of people tried to do that at the same, the same time because we had, I think, maybe, uh, maybe a month to prepare ourselves since, since the beginning of this, uh, this uh, army, uh, you know, the, the thing that Putin did. So when he started to bring all the, uh, all the forces around, surrounding Ukraine, and everybody was thinking that he's just joking and he's just doing, you know, just uh, training with, uh, with his army. But uh, a lot of people saw the future and they knew that if he's bringing such extent power, you know, near Ukraine, that means that he's going to do something that everybody will, uh, you know, be devastated afterwards. So we started, we packed stuff, uh, but that's not enough. I promise you. Now, Ukraine Hotel is a volunteer organization. Where are you getting the volunteers from? Um, well... Right now, only Ukrainians. We don't have any other volunteers uh, at the moment. The reason is because it's very risky operation. Uh, we're talking about a war zone. A war zone. It's not a. It's not a playground. We we're not going to do. A, you know, we're not going to a festival here. This means I have been. You know, uh, the other day, I think it was last week, um, Sunday. No, Motzi Shabbos. It was Motzi Shabbos last week. Called me, uh, Rabbi. It was uh, Rabbi Hartman, I think. Gave me a call. Motzi Shabbos. Tell me, listen, I need to go. And and there's uh, there's a mandatory curfew. You can't go out. Everything is closed. Everything is shut down. So, told me I need to go to the orphanage. I want to bring them some uh, some candies. All Shabbos we weren't there. I want to bring them candies to make the kids happy and this and that. And I said, listen. And where's the orphanage um, that we're talking about? So we're talking about Odessa orphanage. Odessa, okay. okay. Yeah, a Jewish uh, Chabad orphanage that uh, they did not evacuate for many reasons, but they haven't left. And he told me, isn't that da- isn't that dangerous? They didn't evacuate an orphanage in the middle of a war zone. So uh, we wanted to take them out, but we couldn't. Uh, the reason that we couldn't do it because uh, some of the kids don't have papers, and it's very difficult to get papers right now. So uh, the decision was made to stay. Um, but we took them to a safe place. They, they are. In, in a place where they are safe for now. So hopefully it's going to stay this way. So basically he called me and he asked me to come with the ambulance. I have an ambulance, uh, an Israeli ambulance. Uh, you probably you guys can see it on pictures uh, if you Google it. Uh, we have a mother ambulance that uh, was donated to us uh, and it got, it got from Israel to us. So basically I told him, okay, no problem. I'm going to come. I came, I took him, I took him to the orphanage. The orphanage is near the water, near the, near the beach, okay? And I did not know until that day how dangerous that could be. We went there around 11 o'clock at night. I dropped him off and I went down the street to make a U-turn to go back and wait for him. As soon as I went to the end of the street, the end of the street is about the water. I, had, I was surrounded by 20 soldiers with gun pointing at me. Ukrainian soldiers? Ukrainian right. soldiers, gun point, screaming their head off to put my head out of the window and my hands and I was there for 20 minutes they hold me they did not want to see any documents they did not want to see anything I was with an ambulance I was you know with a vest and everything and uh, they just hold me like this with gunpoint for 20 minutes until one of them came you know very cautiously to me opened the door tell me to come out and lay on the floor they try start checking me and then they asked me for where's my where's my uh, my passport my this my that 
I told him where it is, told me don't move. They start checking the ambulance upside down. I'm not joking. They took everything apart, the whole ambulance. For almost an hour, they hold me down. They check my papers. They check everything that I have. And then they ask me for something to give them. Money. And then they release me. They, they, yeah. they and then they release me. So did you did you have to pay did you have to did you have to pay them? I gave him I gave him some pretzels that I had in my car uh -huh. and things like this. I had some some uh, all kind of snacks. I gave him all the snacks and everything. They asked me if I can get, bring the medical supply and I told them that I do my best to try to uh, to uh, accommodate them as much as I can but I ran away. <laughs> wow. Was that <laughs> was was that your scariest was that your scariest moment so far? Um that one of them, I've been uh, I've been in a cross of fire one time uh, this week. Wow! But uh, I mean, not not literally inside, but I was right there near it, and it was uh, visible to me in front of my face. I had to go out, go behind the ambulance, hide, whatever, until it's uh, going to be over. But you have to understand, this is a war zone. It's a very dangerous area. I cannot protect anybody. If people want to volunteer, they're welcome to come. It's going to be very difficult to go into Ukraine in any way. But uh, we are welcoming anybody that wants to come and help us. Absolutely. Any kind of help will be helpful. Listen, I, we empathize and we, we, we want to be as much supportive as we can. I just wish everybody can get together with a united front, but you're doing a wonderful job of saving and helping people. I'm referring to Atzala, Ukraine. Shoshlomo Roselio, thank you for joining us. Let's give out the information again for people who want to help you get involved in what you're doing. It's HatzalaUkraine.org, H-A-T-Z-A-L-A-H, Ukraine.org. That's, that's our website. May God keep you safe and rescue as Thank many people so as possible.